today we have Casey Joe Store from Friday Night Dads, and well, Casey Joe and the Friday Night Dads, and also Local Oblivion. Yes. Hello. Thank, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you for having me. So, um, tell me about Local Oblivion because I, I, you uh, were a vendor at a show that I played with the Weird Sisters, or was it Violet Moons? I think it was Violet Moons. Violet Moons, at the Dive it. Motel. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you have these great T-shirts. I like the one with the possum on it. What does it say? Uh, it says, uh, "He who he who lives by the side of the road." Oh, I already messed it up. He who lives by the song dies by the side of the road, which is actually, I believe, a Roger Miller quote. But I can't, I can't source it because. I read it in a book. Like, I feel like I read it in the Johnny Cash biography. And he was talking about, like, Roger Miller. Like, it wasn't actually a book about Roger Miller. And I've never been able to, like, actually source it ever again. It just, like, kind of happened in my mind. (laughs) But I'm like, It just stayed in there. Yeah, I was like, well, that sounds like something Roger Miller would say. So we'll say that he said it. Yeah, I love it because it it has, like, a possum and he's in a hat or something like that, right? Yeah, Yeah. the, the quintessential cowboy hat. With his guitar. Well, a lot of your stuff, it's like a um, a weird, uh, like, twist on Americana. That's the way I see it. Like, the possum in the hat and, and all of that. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's what I was kind of going for, which, like, I love drawing animals anyway, which is kind of how this started. Uh, and then I was working downtown in Nashville on Broadway at a, a souvenir shop for a few years when I first moved here. This was like 10 years ago. And it's just like all the t-shirts look the same, like it's the same stuff. And like people love it and it's familiar. But I, I was like, man, what if, what if I did something just a little left to center that like would still appeal to people, not not like totally alienate people, but just be something kind of weird and different. And so I started drawing these like tent. I was like, well, what are Tennessee animals? It's like the raccoon and the possum. And strangely, there's armadillos here, yeah. which blew my mind that there is armadillo city armadillos. <laughs> so yeah, I- my my dad he lives down in Kingston Springs. And um, every now and then I'll see a dead armadillo on the side of the road. It's so bizarre to me. It's like, where did they come from? Like, what? I read something about this um, a couple of months ago because people were talking about armadillos in Tennessee. Um, And I don't even remember what it was, but it was just basically like, for some reason, armadillos started coming here. Which I think of Texas when I think of Yeah, like I thought they were a desert animal, like like dry dry air and stuff but I guess I was wrong about that. Yeah, I've seen I've seen so many dead ones. I saw a, a dead one across the street from Betty's like at a show one night just in West Nashville and it's like what are you doing off of like Briley Parkway? <laughs> Maybe they they're uh they're brought here. Maybe they're aliens. Maybe. Maybe that's what armadillos are, is they're aliens. They've come to to spy on the Americana set and let them know if they're doing a good job, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so you start Local Oblivion. You're working down on Broadway. You you kind of want to provide an alternative to people other than just, like, the Bachelorette kind of shit. Yes, yes. The, that's a good word for them. It has the cursive font and, like, sparkles and stuff, which is fine. <laughs> but, like, you, you see it. 
everywhere. There's a certain aesthetic, like, I was just, no, this seems so, like, nerdy to talk about, but I'm like, I notice, like, a lot of design things, and I'm like, all of these products have the same kind of aesthetic, and I was, like, really into underground, I'm still really into, like, underground comics, and, like, I collect graphic t-shirts, old t-shirts, like, I just love a good graphic t-shirt, and um, I started selling antiques out of an antique mall in Opryland, like, after that, um, but because it was Opryland, there's so many people coming from the hotel, like, it's more, they're looking for more, like, new like handmade like local kind of stuff so I started that's where I started putting my shirts in there and I was like I originally just got like a few runs like for friends for fun and I was like I'll throw a few in there just to offer it and it it took off like way more than I anticipated and people love them and I was like well okay I better keep rolling with this (laughs) and so I opened up like the the Etsy store and all all this stuff and it just I've been doing it for almost four years now I guess and it's it's been I've had such a great not only like local community response but like online response and to have both of those like be like what's the word be like a a a positive part of the local community plus appeal to a broader audience. I was yeah. Like, people that aren't your friends. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's like, I feel really lucky that like I can have both of those things. I feel like sometimes it's like one or the other, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, for sure. Definitely. And, and it's always nice to have the local support, but when you start seeing people pay attention elsewhere, like the thought I always have is like, Maybe I'm onto something. Maybe this is actually something cool that I'm doing. Yeah, like it it helps to have have that it it sounds like so superficial, but I think it's true. It's like to have the that validation of your peers and like people supporting it as much like I'll always be making stuff regardless of even if an audience sees it, but there is something to be said about like that outside support like to keep you going to like get that energy going and on like my pessimistic days I'm like well you know I don't need this and I get grumpy and all this stuff but then when you do get that like outer support you're like this is this is important because you want to feel like you're part of a community and people are responding to you and like you find like minded people doing like a similar thing and it's it's a mutual thing and it as as a kind of like lone wolf sort of isolated person like i just i keep a lot of stuff to myself so this is like the first time that i've had this like awesome response that i'm like hey like maybe i'm not so bad <laughs> like, well that's good i'm i'm happy that you're uh you're getting that yeah yeah it's like i felt i'm really thankful that people have been so so awesome and so many like strange strange and wonderful like opportunities have come up it just reminded me of uh this this lady I she was talking to me through Etsy and it was right when like COVID was peaking and all the schools everything was closing and this uh 
this woman messaged me and she was like a public school teacher, I think like in Arizona or New Mexico or something like that. Um, and she asked for some of the possum bandanas to like hang up in her classroom to kind of try to cheer everybody up or like what they were doing remote learning. She wanted to kind of like decorate and stuff like that. So I was like, I just sent her some like on the house. I was like, well, yeah, this like this, I want to do like a, a positive thing. And, and we started talking, we ended up, you know, talking a whole bunch. And she told me later that apparently like in his Hispanic culture, like possum is like a slang word for like a, I don't know, like, how am I going to say this without offending anybody, but basically just like a lower class, like almost like, I guess, rednecky type oh, of, okay. yeah. type of like uh, subculture in Mexico or something like that. Like, I didn't fully understand it, but like she was telling me that and she just said that all the kids in her class freaked out over these possum bandanas because it was it was like a meme or something some kind of slang and and so i started getting all these orders from um like i don't know if it was directly like from her class but um all these like teenage hispanic kids that were just like <laughs> going crazy over these bandanas and i was like wow like i appealed to this, like, very, like, specific, like, subculture. <laughs> like, well, and I was like, that is awesome. Like, I felt like, I was like, damn, like, I felt so badass. But. That, that's really cool because they almost saw it as a, uh, a badge of honor. Yeah. You like, know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, I had people, like, reach out to me and, like, and, like, confirm that they're like, oh, this is, like, slang. I was like, I had, like, no idea, but they, like, thought it was hilarious. And, like, and I was just like, wow. Like, so... It, this became like part of some like Hispanic like teenager meme culture that I was like, wow, like um that that's a nice achievement to me. <laughs> like I thought that was so cool. <laughs> but you know what's beautiful about that too? It's like when you're trying to create stuff and make any kind of art, if you set out to intentionally do something, you're you're almost kneecapping it. Yeah. But it was exactly. completely random that that happened. Yeah, and that's that's like what I've been learning too is is just like if you don't if you're not looking for it, it'll come to you like and and it'll manifest in like ways you never imagined like even in in just like these these really specific like silly ways and I'm like this is the stuff that like I've had to learn to be patient for as as like an an artist or creator musician yeah and especially too when you're younger you get like so gung-ho like I notice like a lot of like younger bands or like younger musicians in town they get so hung up on the social media and the likes and all this stuff. And it's like, I know that's important, but it it's almost just like, I feel like there's a lot of people that get so hung up on it because of that like intent. And it's yeah. just like, if you don't worry about it so much, it'll like happen naturally. Yeah. And it took me a long time to learn that and like humble myself to that because you know, I was, I was like that too. And I was like chomping at the bit and I'm like, I'm going to do this and this and this. And it, you almost get distracted by that wanting that 
validation. So I feel like it, it took me a long time to learn a good balance of that and have that perspective. And I guess that's just part of like getting older and stuff. And maybe I'm just getting tired too, but, but it took me like, that was like a big, it seems so obvious, but at the, at the same time, I'm like, I had to like go through those motions and really get humbled by it and get my butt kicked by this town. Like, and it's been, it's been great. So. Absolutely. Uh, can I get you to just talk a little bit closer to the mic? Yes. Sorry, I tend to mumble too. Yeah. So if I get like rambly and mumbly, just tell me. No, you're doing great so far. Yeah, no, I think um, I've, I've been here for six years now. And in my time here, it's like you see people come in, they come in either on a blaze of glory or they're getting their ass kicked right away. Yeah. Which is more natural for you to get your ass kicked right away. But the people that I've seen come in on a blaze of glory, that first roadblock they hit three months, six months in, they hightail it back home the first mm-hmm. chance they it, get. Yeah, exactly. And I know so many of those people. And it's like I, there's nothing wrong with that. They maybe just figured out it's not for them. Like Absolutely. But it does – I think you you find out your character at that at those milestones. Yes. Like you kind of figure out what what you actually want, I suppose, and and what you need and what you need to do. And – I think that is like a big thing, like getting fresh off the bus just to get right back on type type of thing. And some people like and when I first got here, I'd be like, why are these people going home? They need to get tougher about it. But it's just like I think you just really just realize like what you are and what you expect from that this town and the business and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. It. it it's truly like as as cheesy and as cliched as it as it is to say it's a journey you know and i think you have to enjoy every step of it and the parts that aren't enjoyable you just kind of have to weather yeah and wait for it to pass cuz those times come i mean they come more frequently than when things are going swimmingly exactly and it's i just lost my train of thought um I feel like, too, you learn your degree of what you can tolerate and what you're willing to put up with, whether that is, I guess, like, the threshold of... I think it's part of, like, what is your threshold of what you want to put up with and also discerning what's important out of out of that, maybe that negative experience and being able to see what is productive in that negative experience and how you apply that next time. And I feel like it's really interesting to watch different people kind of go through that and figure it out too. Yeah, for sure. And I I think the other interesting thing, it's how, how old were you when you moved here? Oh man, it was 10 years ago in November. So I was 25 or about to turn 25, I think. So it's, it's different too. I feel like when you move here as a, as a, as a young woman in your twenties, cause like what I've seen happen just from the, the sidelines, it's like 
you get presented with a bunch of air quote opportunities, but it's really just dudes who want to bang you. Oh, the couch agents. Yep. <laughs> what, what did you call it? The couch agents. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I don't know if they still call them that. I've heard that term thrown around, but it's just like, I guess it comes from like, oh, you, you get on the couch. Yeah, like, <laughs> the casting couch. And it's, it's funny. I was actually thinking about that today and how much I feel like that culture has changed for the better. I think there's definitely like way more women in it now. And there's a different, the culture is changing. I feel like for the better, that, that stuff still goes on, but I feel like I'm encountering it less. Maybe it's just cause I'm getting older. I'm not like a spring chicken, but at the same, but, but it's like the general, I feel like I've met so many more, um, like, female musicians here than when I first moved here and I don't like they're all I, I don't that's what I was like trying to figure out I was like is it because the culture is different or because I'm older and I'm not like I don't put up with crap as much anymore like what is it me that's changing or is it the culture or like the people I'm interacting with because I feel like when I first got here it was hard to find like other lady musicians to really like gel with, but um, but the past few years, I'm like I'm meeting so many incredible like women L- LGBTQ uh, people that are just doing like awesome things, and it's just I was like, were you were you here when I was here, and I just didn't know like, or are they come? Is it more people coming here? There's still people moving here. Like I feel I like I think the, it's all of the above. Yeah, and so it's. It's it's awesome, and I hope it continues to progress that way. But there's definitely, like, when I first moved here, and because I was playing country music, too, like, when I switched to playing more more rock and roll stuff, I feel like it's a little more of a progressive com- community. But when I f- was first playing here, we played straight-up country music, did the four-hour co- cover gigs, all that kind of stuff, and there's definitely a... It was, I had some weird, weird interactions. (laughs) Nothing, like, knock on wood, like, I never had anything terrible happen to me. Like, it happens to a lot of other women here. Mm -hmm. And and I've heard some some crazy stories. But, um, yeah, I'm glad that it seems to be changing, or at least the way I'm perceiving it, it seems to be changing. I don't know. I hope it is really actually changing. I think it's really actually changing. There's, there's always going to be a certain degree that that shit's happening. Yeah, you it's know always I mean? going to be there. I feel like, and it's, you know, but, um, I, f- I feel like the overall culture at least seems to be changing and hopefully, uh, those kind of people just get put in their place. <laughs> is all well, you can I, hope for. I think too uh, that older generation, it's uh, a it, they're like dying off and starting to retire whenever yeah. you could get away with that stuff. Yeah. So now it's a lot of like Gen Xers who are still who are like rising in the ranks, and they're the ones who are kind of running shit now in the music business. They're yeah. still baby boomers. Yeah. But. Um, you know, from just from what I've seen, like out in the clubs and shit, the the kind of like predatory behavior that still exists. It's from like 
the East Nashville rock dude. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's, and you hear all that stuff about like the hardcore scene. There's a lot of stuff going on, the, the hardcore, the, that kind of scene too. And it's just like that, it's, I don't even want to say macho because half the time these guys run like silk shirts and like bill bobs. So it's not even like a, I don't know what it is. It's definitely, it's still, it's still there, but I, I'm hoping that there's more awareness around it so that people, people are calling it out more. And, um, and I'm, I'm hope, but I still hear like really crazy stuff that I'm just like, do people not know what what time we live in? When you're gonna get your name blown up on the internet, and your life's gonna be over if you like pull this crap. Like, it's I don't know. It's still mind blowing sometimes, but um, but yeah, there's there's definitely still an element of that. But I'm hoping that it's that awareness is is going to be more prevalent and common sense and just respect for for other people like i hope that continues to progress <laughs> i think it will like i i would say for myself i'm i'm always very optimistic but i'm also realistic about human beings mm, because yeah. at the end of a day like w- one time i met this guy who was a navy seal and when he said to me he said a tree is still a tree. And that kind of stuck with me because it's like, although times are changing and th- things are getting better, I mean, murder's still happening, rape's still happening, war's still happening. So how far can we really get away from the, the uglier parts of human nature? And it's funny. It's not funny, actually. It's the opposite of funny. But I was thinking... Have you ever seen that movie Ghost World with Steve Buscemi? And uh, there's there's a line that he says in it because he plays this this guy that collects like older antiques and stuff like that. And he there's a part in the movie where uh, he has like this old racist advertisement because he just had it because he used to work for the company that had it had come from. And he was explaining to Thor Birch in the movie, he said something like, the racism is still there, we just cover it up better. Like, it's it's just like, I feel like those things are always there and it's just through the filter of the times, I guess, or the culture and how much of it is covered up or or the opposite now where every you know everything is social media and instant information so you're going to get your spot blown up like instantly um so i feel like those having those two extremes in this day and age is very jarring <laughs> like it is uh, because you know i think the other thing that i think people are starting to come around to is grading people on a curve a little bit and like the drasticness of the situation, like yeah. Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, there's not, yeah. 
any coming back from from that. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, it's like fuck yeah. them. But yeah. Bill Cosby is trying to go on tour. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like, wow. <laughs> he has that's, massive fucking balls. That's an interesting social experiment right there. You, you know what? There's going to still be people who go out to see him, though. Yeah, that's like, that is, oh, I'd be curious to see, like, the results of that. Like, that is, that is really interesting. I did not hear about that. Yeah. Um, but also, oh, like, take, for instance, someone like Louis C.K., what he did was wrong. Like, he abused his position and all of that um, and basically put pressure on these women to watch him jerk off. Um, but he, he said he always got consent, and even the women had said he always got consent. It was wrong of him to do that. It sounds like he was a sick person. If he goes and gets help, can someone like that re-enter society? Should they have the ability of being able to make money from their career be taken away? Yeah, and it's just, like, that public forgiveness. Like, we seem to not... It doesn't seem that we're a very forgiving society right now. We love to watch people fall. Yeah, exactly. Like, people love negativity more than they like positivity. I guess because it's a more... I don't... It's don't, easier to yeah, indulge it's, in. Yeah, it's exactly. a primal emotion. Positivity is not ne- necessarily like a primal emotion. Yeah, and it, especially now because everything going on, everybody's on edge, so it gives them even more of like a, this this edginess to to lash out and and yeah, like there's different there's so many different degrees and like nuance to each situation that when people are so cut and dry about let's take Louis CK as an example. That's, that's a good one because it's gray. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like how the thing, the thing that's tough for me is, is just like, if you, if you question it, it's not even if you have a dissenting opinion, it's like, if you dare to question why that's right or wrong, you seem to be wrong for questioning yeah. it. And I don't really agree with that because everything you should be thinking critically, like all questioning is to me is, is like attempting to gather that information to think critically of a situation. And so I feel like a lot of responses to things like that are more people are just, questioning why why this is bad where are the facts and like what especially too because facts are so facts are subjective yeah yeah exactly like so and people's experience especially it's such a personal experience like that so people are going to go to their hearts and their personal experiences to like have those opinions so when you intermix all that especially in like a grand public scale like I was like, there's almost so much to to work through that I'm like, I find it really hard to just be like, he is a terrible person. It's like, well, do you do you know? Like, were you there? Like, how do you know? Like, you don't know this person. Like, yeah, I'm not saying like Louis C.K. is like an amazing man. Like, it's more just like I wish people would think critically and question what they were the nuance. Seeing. Yeah, and like and and consider those those little details especially if it's somebody they don't even remotely know like 
And I wish people, instead of just plain reacting, I would wish people would just step back and just think, like, just, just think about it. Like, just, just meditate on it by yourself. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And sometimes I feel like this culture is pushing us to, like, instantly react. And it's like, no, we can we can think about it. Like, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, we have all of these amazing technological tool, tools at our hands now. Which is great. I, I think like the internet, computers, iPhones, whatever. I think it's amazing. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. there, there is a net positive from it, but there's also a net negative from it. But that is really what human nature is. Mm-hmm. And like to every single one of us to a varying degree has things that are net positive about us and net negative about us. Mm-hmm. And it's like if, if you're a self-aware person, you can try and work on those net negatives. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of interesting to see it because people are, I think, the average person, I don't think they give a fuck. Yeah. Like normal people that are just working and doing their thing, they don't care. Yeah. Like they're going to decide for themselves whether or not someone like Louis C.K., if they're going to keep supporting him. And it's like, I think the thing, and this is not necessarily about Louis, but the thing that bothers me, if someone doesn't feel like they have skin in the game after they, like everybody has to make their own personal statement now every time an event happens. Yeah. It's like we're all, we all go online and make a statement about whatever it is that happens, no matter how big or how small it is. Yeah. And it's like, once I realized that for myself, I tried to not necessarily react to to the things that are happening. Like I stopped reading the news in 2020. Yeah. Couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, It was just too poisonous, but once I started doing that, I started feeling better. Um, and I, I always just try and look at every situation, you know, again, someone like fucking Harvey Weinstein. And this is the other fucking thing. Everybody who is calling him out in Hollywood, they all knew about it and they all look the other way. And that's the shit that really bothers me. Or you look at someone like Caitlyn Jenner straight up killed someone with her car. Yeah. Free pass. Yeah. Free fucking pass. I just think of the South Park. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you say that. Yeah, yeah. Because, well, there was uh, on South but, Park that, that whole season, every time Caitlyn Jenner came on screen, uh, she murdered someone with her car. Yeah. yeah no, that's, it's, it's awful that I think about that whenever that happens. But, uh, but, like, yeah, going back to what you're saying is just, like, why do we give certain people like allowances and other people like it is it, and that goes back to like it's so nuanced it's like how do you come to that conclusion how do you make that broad sweeping statement do you believe that statement with every fiber of your being like it seems unnecessary to make those grand statements as a form of reaction like getting your your skin in the game is what you said and it's just like man sometimes I think about like especially too like sometimes I get stuck reading like social media comments and I especially like people argue I was like oh I get sucked into like reading an argument <laughs> but it's just like would would these people say this in real life if we were no. all in a group you know what I mean it's just like would you actually like say this face to face like to somebody else and it's like I don't know. Like it, it, 
it doesn't have as much credence to me when it's just like, oh, you're getting blown some steam off on the internet. So it's just like, I can't, I feel like I can't take your statement super seriously because it's like, are, are you just in the heat of the moment? Are you having a bad day and taking it out? Like, so all this hubbub and like reactionary, like everybody's reacting to each other's reactions and stuff. And I'm like, is like, what if we were all just like, in a room like doing this would be awful (laughs) well what it is now is um we have the ability to have our psyches directly communicate with each other yes and it's like too much (laughs) yeah well i I think it it, like reading something online you're directly seeing the thoughts in someone's head like the things that they might not usually say out loud. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel pretty good. Like most of, most of the shit I've ever said, like I've ever posted is something that I would say in a room full of people for better or worse. Cause there was, I think when I was younger, I had this tendency to just like try and shock people, you mm-hmm. know, and drop the hammer and get a reaction out of them. So of course the internet's a great tool for that. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it, tool for it's it's honestly it's less thrilling than doing it in a room full of people though. Yeah, because you don't like you lack that that human energy yeah. and like the instead of somebody pausing behind a computer or whatever, like it is an instantaneous like human human thing that is really happening. Whereas with the internet, there's that. There's that disconnect. I feel like definitely like being in the same room with a person is definitely a way different energy than than anything like on oh, the yeah. computer. Absolutely. So like because you don't have that energy to work off of, it seems like easier to do it online, I guess. Like I don't know. <laughs> I saw a, a movie recently, Licorice Pizza. Oh yeah, with the um What's her name? Alana from uh, yeah. Hyam. Yes, yeah. Alana Hyam. Yeah. And then Cooper Hoffman. It's a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. And there was some controversy surrounding that movie um, because there is, well, the central part of the, the movie is focused on a relationship between a 15-year-old boy and a 25-year-old woman. Um, oh, I didn't know that's what that was about. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it, there was a lot of people who were, were kind of thrashing it and all of that. And to a certain degree, I'm just like, well, like we should not be trying to get our morals from art. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not going to watch Pulp Fiction and then try and rape someone in a basement. Yeah, like it's, it's, it's meant to be something to be absorbed not something to be like followed necessarily like exactly and like the, you can see really the age contrast in the movie it was it was played out that there are these moments like not to give anything away but there are these moments where it shows that like the the main the main character Alana Alana is a little immature and that um Cooper is a little more mature in some ways but he's still a 15 year old kid um, but I love that movie. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, but people were thrashing it for that when it was, I think Paul Thomas Anderson making that movie was also kind of a troll because throughout movie history and like books, whatever, 
we've seen those roles reversed where it's been like a 25-year-old oh, exactly. man and a 15-year-old woman. Yeah. And I think that was his way of kind of like trolling and being like, well, look at this. No yeah, one's like done this it. before. Yeah. Except, have you seen Harold and Maude? Uh, no, I have not. <laughs> you should check that out. Yeah, because it, uh, it's like an old lady and a, a teenage yeah, kid, yep, right? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie is awesome. But yeah, like, especially too, you know, in like the Shakespearean stuff, it's always like, like because that was the times and, you know, yeah. get married at 13 and stuff like that. But it's been perpetuated, like you said, like, and depicted in all these different ways in... I don't know. That's that's good on him for taking that jab, I guess. Like but Yes. Well, I think art to me, like my favorite stuff is stuff that makes people have that guttural reaction. Yes. When when someone sees it or hears it and they're just like, I'm against this. And it's like it's a piece of art. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like is I and and that is is that not the purpose of art and to like get get that reaction or get somebody to have a, a feeling or think a thought about something. And that I was thinking too the other day is like with like all the PC culture and all all of the, the social justice, all that kind of stuff. It's like sometimes now I feel like I've been conditioned to think in that way because culture has has perpetuated so I'll look like a at an older piece of art that might have some I'm trying to think of a good example uh I don't know it's something that would be deemed like super like how many times have you watched like a Mel Brooks movie and it's like this would never fly now you know what yeah. I mean like and or even just watching like old like even like Disney movies like from the nineties, I'm like, dang, like it's so, it made me think like how much has changed culturally. But I also feel like it's, I was like, I feel like I have like somebody on my, like on my shoulder saying like, you, you shouldn't like this because it's offensive. And it's like, I don't, I don't like feeling that I've been conditioned to be offended by something like like I know my sense of like right and wrong, but I feel like if I look at another piece of art or writing and I have that conditioning, I guess, and it and I guess it's like on the one side it's good that I question this, right? Like it's good that I'm like, oh, this is gross, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, I feel like I there's no other space to think about how it exists in itself. Well, it's that it's kind of what you were talking about earlier, that idea of like wrong think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you like, if you question something, you're, you're automatically wrong for, for questioning it. You know, it's like how many people, um, you know, like maybe their, their favorite director was Tarantino, but they feel strongly about all this social justice stuff, which is completely okay. Um, but how many people are like, Quentin Tarantino's not my favorite director anymore. I hate him, and I'm not going to see his movies anymore. Oh. Like I'm, I'm against him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a lot of that going on, too. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's I try and see art just as art. The separation of the art and the artist yes. thing. And it seems to be now that the overarching thing is just like, well, there's no separation because that is 
that is who they are. But I'm like, man, if you look back, I was like, all there's the, a lot of dirt bags. There's a lot of fucking motherfuckers, man. Like, it's just like, I don't know, like, how you have that much energy to, like, not like something. Like, maybe I'm just, like, older and, like, tired, but I'm just, there's this situation. I won't, I won't name the publication, but, um, I send a lot of comics and, like, writings out to, like, literary journals, and I do that whole thing, and, you know, and especially to like underground zines, I've been like into that a lot lately. And there's this particular one that I was like, oh, this this seems like really cool. Um, like I like the vibe of it. And then I read their like submission guidelines, and there's this disclaimer at the bottom. And they said like, oh, if you like Charles Bukowski or like Raymond Carver, or Ernest Hemingway, we don't want your work. And I'm like okay, like, it's a feminist-oriented zine, and I get I get it, but it's just, like, I was like, damn, I love all those guys. So yeah. I don't feel like I can submit beca- just because of that bias, and I'm just like, maybe that was a bit much. Like, it's, it's like, okay, like, I get maybe they were trying to say, like, we don't accept, like, misogynistic work, but to actually say that, like, if you're a fan of Ernest Hemingway, we don't want anything to do with you. And I'm like, that's pretty rich, like... <laughs> well, it's it's classic American literature, Hemingway. Yeah. I would even say Bukowski. Yeah, and it's just, like, I know they're not for everybody, and sure, of course they're misogynists, like, duh, like, but I'm like, that's not... That's not what I'm art. looking for. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I I like short sentences, so I like Hemingway. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I'm, like, looking at. Like, I'll come across, like, a misogynistic passage, and I'm like, oh, like, what a dumbass, you know? Like, but it, but I'm like, I'm not, it's not a main thing, like, a It's not a make it or force. break it for you. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm reading him because I like his style, like, it's... It has nothing to do with that. So, like, I came across that, like, little disclaimer, and I was just, like, so, like, taken aback because I'm like, oh, like, like, I get what they were trying to, like, weed out. I understand that, but it just seemed like such an overstatement that I'm, like... Heavy-handed. Yeah, like, and I'm just like, was that necessary? Like, like, I feel like I'm a feminist-leading lady, but, like, I, I also like to read old dirty man literature, you know, like, yeah. I, it, like, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. Like there's I, not. and I re- read tons of like lady writers. Like it's all, I was like, I don't think about what I'm interested in, in terms of societal expectations or bias. Well, you're a <laughs> mentally and emotionally healthy person. So congratulations. Oh, well, on that respect, yes. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> but, but yeah, I'm just like, but, it, but then like seeing things like that make me question. I was like, well, and I try to like be open minded and like, like I'll see something like that and I'm just like, well, why do you, why do you feel this way? Like, why did you state it in that way? And I don't know, like maybe I just try to play like devil's advocate too much and, like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm. Gr- it's great that we have like the technology to like, like George Floyd, for example. I was like, we were able to witness that in like real time. Re- yeah, and I was like, this is something that like, you know, without technology, it would have been a totally 
you know, different thing. And I'm like, I see the strides. And like I was saying, like the culture and nationalist change. I was like, I see these great progressive strides of acceptance. But it's like what I feel like there still needs to be a balance. And maybe that balance really does exist because you said like just like regular people don't really like it's it's just like I think most people like you said are just worried about what they're doing but everything that's in our faces from the media is those extremes and that's when you got to take a step back and like think about things critically for yourself and how you're perceiving them and like try to see both sides and try to understand instead of just instantly reacting I feel like we're in this weird mix of like exhaustion from that, but then also like reacting to it. And so it's, it's strange. <laughs> well, I would say 2020, well, really, really I started in, in 2016, like Twitter started spilling out over into the real world. Yeah. People, cause people started being, meaner to each other like I I remember the summer of 2016 before the election um people were mean as fuck to each other do you remember how angry that oh my god yeah that was like the palpable like tension like I still like feel like it's it's there and it's it's been in existence since then and it's like but it it was so like it's almost like peaked then like it seemed like like it was palpable for sure. Well, it was a moment in time in which the mask for a second dropped away from America and we went on a four year acid trip. <laughs> yeah. And not everybody can handle the acid trip. I was fine through it, you know, like it it didn't everything that was happening culturally, I felt like it didn't really affect me necessarily in my day-to-day life yes and same here and like i guess we're like very lucky that it didn't yeah um and there's people that it did affect don't get me wrong i mean yeah. there's, there's a lot of shit that happened but there's something to be said to for for mental resilience yeah and i feel like too you know hunter thompson said like when the going gets weird the weird turn pro and so i fucking love that yeah it's one of my favorite yeah parts. like and so it's I feel like I have this high tolerance for absurdity. So, like, a lot of the stuff I was seeing, I was like, this is awful and I can't believe this is happening, but I also kind of can believe it's happening. Like, and so I guess it didn't, I was, I I was lucky enough that I feel like it didn't phase me or affect me as intensely as, as some other people. Um, And, but I'm just like, man, in my world, everything is always weird. So it's like this is just the other weird thing yep. that's happening. And I, I don't know if you remember this, but that summer, there was a bunch of clown sightings that started happening. The Do you remember that? Sightings. I think I think so. Yeah, like they thought it was like a killer clown thing, but it was like not. It was it, just like a, a meme, basically, where people yeah. started dressing like clowns and going out, and then they were getting their asses beat when someone came across them. <laughs> But I felt like that was the moment where we switched into this bizarro alternate reality and we've been there ever since. Yeah. And I permanently, like, 
I crave for this reality to just be clown world all the time. <laughs> and we're there. The clown world was the turning point. It's like thinking about like the past few years and like maybe in 20 years we're going to think of it in a totally different way and like for sure. maybe see how crazy things actually were in hindsight. Uh, because as you're living it day to day, it doesn't seem as intense as if you like put it all together, I guess. And so I was like, man, in 20 years, am I going to be able to like pinpoint, was there a moment that things changed? And I feel like there was like in 2016 with all that going on. And I'm like, there is, I feel like things were bubbling to that point, but like the switch like flipped. There's definitely like a snap sort of thing. And it's, I was like, maybe in 20 years I'll figure out exactly what that moment was. But maybe it's just the clowns. I think it was the clowns. It was just the clowns. It man. was the clowns because, <laughs> like, I was just – I was ready, you know? Like, uh, like politically I've always felt like I've never really had this a skin in the fight either way. And uh, especially back then. Yeah. Like, because it was Trump versus Hillary. I, I didn't care at all. I mean, I still don't give a fuck, honestly. Um, but, like – just the, the clown sighting starting to happen, that's when I started getting just interested in wherever our culture was going. Yeah. There was something I liked about that. <laughs> there's something. It just, it just resonated with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I like it when things are, and we were talking a little bit about this before we started, but I like when things are, are weird and like all the shit that people are up to behind closed doors like comes out in the public. Yeah. And we're much more living in that world now. I feel like it too. And I've, I wonder if a lot of it, too, has to do with that, like, public shaming so people are becoming even more, like, closed in in a way, like, their, their desires. I, I think there, there's two sides to it. So it's, like, I think there are people that are, like, yeah, I'm into wearing diapers and I'm into having pies put, put in my face. Yeah. Um, and doing that, like, on camera for everyone to see me. I wish I could do it in public. And then there's people who further retreat into what they're yeah. doing because they're more afraid. Yeah, that's that's interesting to think about because that is true, and, and that's an extreme in itself, like the two extremes, and it's like this weird time where there's so much public shaming, but then there's also so much public, like, cries for attention for the same kind of things. I guess it just depends on the person and their level of mental illness. Yeah, yeah, it's just like it's it's a weird it's a weird time to try to process. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like everybody talks about the uh the culture wars that are happening and everything and I mean we've talked a lot about that today. And I like observing it. But at the end of the day, like when I step back, when I when I'm laying in bed tonight about to go to sleep, I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. I don't really like it's like you you look at like um, even someone who got canceled recently, Morgan Wallen. You could argue that getting canceled was the best thing for his career because he blew the fuck. Right, out I was like, was that a publicity blend. stunt? It might have been. Half the time, I think all this stuff is publicity stunts, and yeah. I'm like, well, you know, they got a good marketing team. They just go for the bad press and not the good press. But well, I mean, that, that's really the the day and age that we're living in now, too, because it's like. I mean, personally, I, I hope I'm I'm canceled for some kind of art that I make one day. I think it would be the best thing to happen for my career. Right? Like, and that's just like, 
going back to what we said, it's like people love negativity and it's just, it's like, is it good to be canceled in that way? Is it good to be canceled because people are taking a look at your work and, and like hopefully questioning it? Like, is is all this stuff getting people to think critically about it or is it is it pure reaction? Is it both? Like, that's sometimes, like, I feel like I have to, like, watch what I say all the time, but as I get older and more, like, ingratiated in this culture, I'm just like, man, like, why should I care? Like... Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like... I straight up do not care. Yeah. Because, like, the people that know me and love me know the quality of my character. Exactly, and it's just, like, I feel like all this stuff happens, like, on the internet and TV and all that, and it's just like, well... When you wake up and have your day-to-day life with the people you see every day, it's like, what does all that matter if if you have a totally different life outside of yeah. that? Like, and you know, maybe Morgan Wallen's like the best guy ever, and it's just, it's like we don't, but we don't know him, so it's like maybe yeah. he is a piece of shit, like, but maybe he's not that bad, like, but all we can do is is judge him like and it's the older I get the more I'm learning I'm like oh it doesn't matter just just live your life and be good to the people that are around you like <laughs> did you um have you did you grow up in a religious family at all yes my okay. dad was the pastor oh okay mm-hmm. where did you grow up at uh South Jersey Philadelphia oh shit okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um so if you're familiar with the Bible, are you familiar with uh, the Tower of Babel? Mm-hmm, yep. So, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, you might be more familiar with this than I am. Oh, I smoke so much weed that I don't probably don't remember. So your guess is as I'm, good I'm, as I'm, mine. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> my own. Okay, but the Tower of Babel, it's basically like they're building, like when, before the tower was built, everybody on the planet spoke the same language. Mm-hmm. And then when the tower, as the tower was built, like God was upset that they were building something all the way to reach the heavens where he was. Yeah. And he made like, I think he made the tower fall and then he made everybody speak a, a different language. Yeah. And it divided everyone. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because the internet now is really in a lot of ways, I'm I'm not religious at all. I think there's some some parables that you can take from the Bible. Just, oh yeah, like as a way to live. You know, the Bible like, is psychedelic as hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. like the having an iPhone is kind of like the Tower of Babel because we can we can communicate with anybody exactly. in the world. Yeah, and even if they don't speak our language, we can translate. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Oh yeah, and it's it's incredible. Like that's a really good like allegory that you did there. Um, it is, and it's it's becoming like our consciousness and isn't that like this is the next step in our evolution. We're just going to, we're going to be the Borg in Star Trek and just have the shared consciousness. And like, is that what humans are ultimately the goal? Is that the goal or is that really like the wrong way and I guess there's there's a lot of argument about that right now but it's just like well humans I feel like humans naturally want to make systems they want to organize things and label things and make and organize systems. into groups yes exactly and so really mathematics all that stuff like all that stuff 
can be applied to like everything that we're talking about. And it's like, in a way, humans have succeeded in making this elegant system of, of consciousness, the internet and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's going to destroy humanity. So like we've attained our ultimate well, the way, the way that it fits you with the Tower of Babel thing is we've, we've built this communication device. And now we are shooting off into all those subgroups. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like I'm just someone out in the cold where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't want to like have to identify as something to be with a group of yeah. People, you know, like I, I don't want to reduce myself down to that. Yeah, the, and I never understood that. That's not that's not anything. I was never like a group. Like I was like, I don't get why people, people need, like people need to have an identity. Sorry, I, I interrupted no, you. No, no, you're totally good. But I've, I'm averse to groups. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it's like everything is a double-edged sword because I also think it's it's good on one hand because there's people that didn't have a voice and didn't have representation. Now, now they're able to, you know, mm-hmm. they have, they have a seat at the table, but again, going back throughout human history, it's some people rolling up in a boat and saying, we're killing everyone and we're taking everything that's yours. Mm-hmm. And we're almost doing that now with the internet, mm-hmm. but except instead of like chopping off people's heads and like raping a whole village, we're just doing it verbally online. Yeah. It's all, like, conceptual, like... Concept, conceptual rape and pillage? Yes, yeah, like, yes, or spiritual identity, something something in there. And it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's the warfare that happens now, like, and it's, it's, it's weird because it's so accessible, like, a 10-year-old boy in Kansas can be doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just like, it's accessible to everybody. And I'm like, it's great that this is accessible, but at the same time, it's like, given, what are you accessing? Yeah. And is it, is it too much? Like, and there has to be, I feel like there's no balance on anything right now. Everything is just the extremes and that's why it's becoming exhausting. Well, there's something to like, thinking about something like QAnon where there was a seductive quality to it. Cause it, and it's like being in a, in a cult almost where there's, there's hints of truth that anyone can look at, you know, and like the Jeffrey Epstein thing almost validated the QAnon people when it happened. Cause it's like, yeah, there's this guy who has a fucking Island yeah. and he invites all his billionaire buddies there and they're just there doing God knows what. And like, we don't even know what the extent of what they were doing is. You know what I mean? Like if like the way I think about it and the way I think of like the darkness of human nature, okay, they're going there and they're fucking 16 year old girls. What's to stop them from fucking like eight year old children? Yeah. Like what's the stuff? Like, uh, think about serial killers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Serial killers. Throughout time, when they get caught, it's like they want to get caught, all that shit. I saw this crazy thing where it said the average IQ of a serial killer was uh, 89 or something like that, which was below average. 
I would think it would be the other way around. There's there's some like Edmund Kemper. He was one. I think he had a higher IQ. Ted Bundy. Yeah, he had I was going to say IQ. didn't Ted Bundy have? But one? the average, like the median IQ, was was low. Yeah. And it's like okay, well, what's to stop? Let's say someone is rich and powerful, and they have a higher IQ. What's to stop them from just killing for for sport? Like there's yeah. There's all these conspiracy theories too about like taking people to islands and hunting them and all that shit. Oh, most dangerous game, yeah. <laughs> I 100% believe that shit's real. Yeah. I do not doubt it with a question in my mind. Because if it was happening 300 years ago, why is it not happening today? Yeah, it's all a matter of like how people cover it up. And and if you have the means and the power, yeah. like we've learned in our society, you can get oh, away yeah. With almost anything, if you are rich and you are powerful. Oh, yeah. And it's it's wild, like, and then it goes into, like, eyes wide shut, like, type stuff. And, like, but it it's, it shouldn't shock me. Like, you hear about all those things and I'm, like, it almost shouldn't be shocking because it's, like, that's so, that seems to be so prevalent. Like, it's just the ugliest parts of human nature. Yeah, and it's shocking because it's it's ugly, but I'm, like, but it's so co- common. Like, it's yeah. more common, like you said, like, behind closed doors. Like, it's it's wild. Like, and that's that's what's interesting, though. Like, that stuff is interesting to me, but I don't, I feel like, I don't know. I'm losing. I'm losing my train of thought here. No, you're good. Um, Do you know um, who the director Tom Six is? Mm-mm. So he directed the Human Centipede movies. Oh God, <laughs> I've um, heard of them. I have not seen them. I've just but heard he them. he has this this trailer for this one movie that is still unreleased. No studio will fuck with it. <laughs> I can't remember what the movie is called, but I've seen the trailer a couple of times because I think this is just genius art. Because he's, he's basically trolling people. But it's all about, like, this group of rich, powerful, like, white women that live in California and they get off to other people's misery. So they get together in these groups and they're, they're watching uh, disasters happen and they're, they're all masturbating and shit. Oh, God. And, and one, of the, one of the scenes, this is, like, the most shocking scene from it, is this, there's this woman dying in bed who has cancer. And then one at a time, all these women start coming in and they're like getting off to the fact that this woman is dying of cancer. Whoa. But to me, I think that is the power of art. I don't necessarily, I don't, yeah. like, I don't think it's good. Like if someone's doing that in real life, if that's yeah. happening. <laughs> but the fact that someone is making that and challenging what people think is decent and what people think is okay, because it's really yeah. like what, what Andy Warhol did back in the 60s, if you yeah. really think about it. Yeah. Or like Velvet Underground or like Gigi Allen, you know, where it's shit where it's like, again, the shit that we just can't deny. Like, I 100% believe that is happening in our world. Oh, yeah. Right now. And like, and because of this culture of like cleanliness, I guess. And like, I always wondered if like other countries, I was like, does, is France like into this stuff? It's just like, I don't, is it America? It's funny you say that. I was just at the Andy Warhol Museum a few months ago in Pittsburgh and he did this whole early series on disasters. Um, 
and he would just take these awful images from the newspaper and just, you know, replicate them with the silk screening and all that. And there's this one, and it was like a car crash, and the dude is just impaled on a telephone pole, and it's a huge canvas. It's, like, in your face. And I'm like, damn, like, this is so striking. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And my mom was with me and she's like, that's awful. And she had to leave the room and all this stuff. I was like, but this is like, this is majestic. Like this is, this is crazily like, like, because it just pulls you right in. Like, and it's such a visceral, it's a terrible image. Like it's, I was like, I can't believe they put this in a newspaper. Like it, like back in the fifties or whenever. It was was. a different time. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Like, and he does a whole thing series of that kind of stuff but that was like the one that I that got me and it's I was like I wonder if he if he did this with this same image in this day and age like how that would be perceived like if it would be offensive or like if it, or because I'm sure it was shocking back then but is this would the shock be the same 50 60 years later that's a good question. I don't know if it would be the same because it, it's like you can go right on like live leak or some shit like that right now and see someone getting impaled. Yeah. yeah. You know, just walking down the street or world star or some shit. Yeah. Just someone getting beat up for yeah. no reason. Yeah. At a McDonald's. Yeah. I see that stuff just like on my Instagram feed. Like, yeah. Like, and I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm awake now. Like, (laughs) it's just, it'll just pop up. It's just there. And the frequency, I guess it's so frequent now because it's just so much stuff coming at you. And I, I was like, do people even get shocked in the same way? Like... I don't think they do. Yeah, because it's just so so well, much. Like it's it's almost like people are shocked now. They're they're less shocked by seeing something that like that, and more shocked by possibly what they're not seeing. Like like if someone said something, or there's a recording of someone making like an off color joke or something like that. Yeah. That is more shocking and offensive to people now. That's a good point. As even if they're just like pretending almost and and getting on a soapbox about it, like, uh, like even like a, a, okay. So we were talking about like a 10 year old boy in Kansas. Like right now, a 10 year old boy in Kansas has seen possibly probably everything that you can see on the, on the internet. Like in our generation, when we were growing up at a certain point, Like, we had a family computer and all of that, so it was like my parents could see what I'm doing. But once I got, like, an iPhone and shit like that, like, there's really no – there was no talk about, like, monitor what your kids are doing online. Yeah, there's no kids mode. (laughs) Not not back then. Yeah, and that – I was actually – one of the ladies I work with, she was talking about her granddaughter's six years old now and – how she tries to put on like the safe settings on YouTube so she can watch her her baby shark or whatever it is and like she's like there's still like weird stuff that comes through that'll just pop up like as because it does the autoplay and she's like the kids mode on like YouTube's not even because she's like she's she's like I've seen some weird things pop up that I'm like oh <laughs> like 
Well, it's funny to think, too, when we were kids, the kind of shit that you could watch. Like, I, I was watching R-rated movies by, like, six or seven years old. Yeah. And it was no big deal. As long as there wasn't... And this is a very American thing. As long as there wasn't any sex, like the violence was okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> as long as it was someone getting their ho- their head blown off, like Terminator Two or some shit, that was okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah, my my parents are the same way. They uh, just is it, that must. I don't know if that's that American like uptight thing. Like I don't I don't know, but yeah, it's like I remember seeing like really scary stuff that like fucked me up that was like so violent but i was just like what then there's like a love scene and that was supposed to be like more turn your head close your eyes and it's just like actually we should be watching the love scenes because that's positive (laughs) like you know that's a positive at least the the positive interactions in movies that are not always you know good sex scenes but um yeah i always thought that was strange too because like my parents were fi- like, I was like, maybe I was such a chill kid that they're like, oh, violence is not a part of like, it doesn't even matter because you're such a laid back kid. And I'm like, oh, this stuff. <laughs> I watched a lot of horror movies when I was a kid. Like, I remember seeing that the Tim Curry it when I was young. Yeah. Like, I remember the thing that really scared the shit out of me that I was terrified of was that movie Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that at all? No, because I watched that as a kid too, and I probably didn't finish it because I did not want to. Oh see yeah, it. but like I feel like too, and I gripe about this all the time. Like I feel like those older horror movies are in a way like scarier than new ones because they had this element of like space and suspense that I think a lot of newer like horror movies lack because it's just like so. It's right out front today. Yeah, and fast-paced, and it's just, like, there's something to be said for, like, was it Alien? I can't remember what it was. It might have been Alien. Or Thing. That first Alien is very suspenseful. Because it's just, like, shadows and shots. That might be what I was like. It's scarier to leave something to the imagination than to see something in front well, of your face. That was so, like, what was so fucking scary about the first Halloween movie. Yeah. It's because Michael Myers was just lurking in the background. Yeah. You know, you didn't, it, you would just have like brief two second flashes of him. Yeah. And like just, just those like little like subtle things. I was like, that is so much scarier to me than just like some modern like slasher film that's just going to be like constant dialogue and action and all this stuff like that. I was like, you need that space to be, to have your ma- imagination go like, what the fuck? Well, it was the same way with Jaws too. Oh yeah. Cause they didn't show Jaws like in the movie until like a good bit in. Yeah. Um, and you think about a movie like Jaws today, like, what rating would that movie get? Because back in the 70s, that was a, I think it was PG. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but today, yeah. it, would, it would probably be, they would probably be like, okay, this is going to be for an adult audience. Um, so we'll throw a couple of fucks in there and make it an R rating. Yeah. And maybe some sex scenes and all this r- ridiculous stuff, too. Like, they got to throw all that in there. Yeah. And, but that's, like, why Jaws is such a classic, like, is because it didn't, like, they didn't mess around. Like, they, you know, it's very direct, like, plot 
but they have all those, like, they don't show it. Like, you don't need to show everything. Like, you need to let people use their imaginations. And I feel like nowadays with all these new, especially all the new, like, CGI movies coming out, it's like there's no space in these movies. There's no mental space. There's no physical space. Like It's all just, like, Avatar 2. Yeah, and it's just, like, how are people supposed to, like, use their imaginations and be afraid or be, like, bewildered by something if there's no space to let the audience think about it, I guess. There's this great director that I... Really, really love his name's S. Craig Zoller. Have you seen any of his movies? Oh, what what movies has he done? So he did um, a movie called Bone Tomahawk, and that has uh, Kurt Russell in it and Patrick Wilson. And then he has another movie called Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. That's uh, Vince Vaughn is in that. And then he has this other movie. It's probably my favorite movie of his called Dragged Across Concrete, and that one's Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson. Uh, Vince Vaughn's his guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Um, I've never heard of him, but that's that's. A- he's great because his movies are pretty slow. Like it, it's almost from like another era, the kind of movies he's trying to make, and he didn't reach quote unquote success until he was forty. Yeah. Um, but there's something to be said too for not making that artistic compromise and kind of sticking to your guns and doing what you want. Because it was like you were talking about earlier, whether people are here for it or not, you're still going to be doing this. Yeah. You it's know? just nicer when people are there for it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But, but yeah, like it's just like you're going to – it's like if you're going to put up with all that stuff, you might as well do it the way you want. Like, And it's nice – and I think too there's a lot of directors that are going back to that slower pace. I love it. Yeah. I love a slow me, movie. Oh, me too. Like it's just – it and especially too when the dialogue can be like really honed in. I feel like too like I I'm a fan of like just good dialogue, and that's like lacking too. But I'm noticing a lot of directors are going, they're either going back to that or they've been doing it the whole time and nobody paid attention to them till now. <laughs> like, yeah, and um, like that that movie that. I don't know if it won the that year of the dog movie, that Jane Campion movie that came out. Um, I was like, oh, this is so like delicious and slow paced. I was like, to I, maybe to like somebody else, this is like super boring. But I'm like, this is the kind of like direct dialogue and pacing that I feel like was such a staple of like classic classic movie makers like Hitchcock is like another great one where he does a lot of like, it's just shadows and like suspense, suspense, like true suspense. And it's, I, I really hope we come back around to that because I, I don't know how many like modern, like CGI type of, you know, like the, the superhero, like Marvel movies and, I'm like, it's all the same, like, quick in your face, like. Joke, action, alien, like, getting blown away. formulaic, and, like, I know everything's sort of formulaic. I guess it's just a matter of what formulas you like. But, like, um, but I was like, there's no, like, I, I feel like I'm being, like, attacked by those movies. Like, this, it's like this overstimulation that I'm like, I can't, like, process what's happening right now because there's like so much going on and like the writing is pretty like 
by the book, oh, like yeah. action movie stuff. And I'm like, if this is not like, I, I wouldn't be against all like the Marvel movies if people tried to kind of put a twist on them. And like, I guess that's, that's kind of happening. I've seen some that I'm like, okay, it's not like the, bad. the Joker is a good example. Yeah. Like there's so like, it's not, they're not all like that. And I'm glad that, there's certain directors and stuff seeming to kind of like recognize that and pull out like better character development and pacing and all that stuff. Um, but I wish, maybe I'm just an old lady, but I wish people would just tone it down. <laughs> like, I'm excited for the, uh, the new Batman movie that's coming out with Robert Pattinson. Have you seen a trailer for uh-uh, that? Uh, I didn't know there was a new one coming out. Yeah, so it's called The Batman. It I think it's Oh, to, The Batman. The yeah. Batman. Yeah. It's supposed <laughs> to be separate from the DCEU and all yeah. that. I didn't know Robert Pattinson was mm-hmm. in that. He, he looks like he's going to be a good Batman. I yeah. think he's a good choice. Yeah. Um but the movie itself it it almost looks like the look of it looks like a 90s kind of gritty crime story. Yeah. Like more similar to a movie like Seven than another Batman movie. Yeah. Um, And of course it's Batman and all of that, but basically what it looks like it's going to be, just from seeing the couple of trailers that have come out, it's going to be like a a cat and mouse detective story between Batman played by Robert Pattinson and Paul Dano. He plays the Riddler. Uh, Oh, I like him. He's more like a a serial killer almost. Like, and he's leaving these clues. Um, But it it reminds me of something like like Seven or some shit like that, where it's like, I hope it's a slow as fuck movie. I think it it would be a genius troll to make it a slow movie. It's like more encompassing that sort of mysterious like film noir. Like, I love that shit. Yeah, like that sort of vibe rather than just like, okay, here's another superhero movie. And that's the stuff that I think they're starting to do more that. They're probably recognizing that it's like, okay, we can't just keep putting out the same kind of stuff. So they're taking different stylistic angles with it, which I think is, is pretty cool actually. And yeah, that's, oh, I didn't know Paul Dano was going to, was going to play. You said the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I've like grown to like Robert Pattinson too. He's a good actor. Honestly, like he started off twilight and all that shit. Um, Same with Kristen Stewart. I was like, these two, Dummies and Twilight, but then they both went on to do like really cool stuff. I'm like, they're not okay. going to be just remembered for being, <laughs> yeah, for being that. Which like I feel like if you get cast in a teen movie like that, you have the danger of becoming a, like a stereotype. Yeah, like getting role cast and all of that. And like the Twilight movies, looking back on it now, it's it's funny because it's very of the times. Yeah, like when the emo thing was huge. Yeah, you know, yeah, and it really played into that. Like Robert Pattinson in that movie. He's like the emo scene girl uh, dreamboat. Right? Like <laughs> that's, what he's, that's the role he's playing. I always thought that, like, I feel like Heath Ledger kind of had the same thing where he started he did, out doing yeah. the team and then he ended up being, like, totally badass Leo. I love Leo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Um, he's one of the all-time But it's just, greats. like, I wonder if they take these, like, blockbuster roles because they know that they can, like, it's like their foot in the door and they're like, I'll do this dumb teen movie just so I can get the roles that I want. And I'm like, you know, that's not a bad way to go about it. So, like, you establish your popularity and then, 
kind of your the world is your oyster. Speaking of Leo, I've been doing like a deep dives on Paul Thomas Anderson and watching interviews with him. And he talked about Boogie Nights. Originally, it was supposed to be Leonardo DiCaprio playing Mark Wahlberg's role. Um, oh, that would have... I don't, I don't know. I don't know if yeah. it would have... I mean, he would have done a good job, but yeah. I can't imagine anybody else being Dirk Diggler yeah. but Marky Mark. Yeah, right. I was like, that seems, like they cast that movie so well. that It's funny to read about, like, oh, this guy almost got this role. I'm like, what a crazy different movie that would have been. Like, I don't know. But, oh, that's... That's weird to think about. If I watch that movie again, I'm going to think about that. That's one of my all-time favorite yeah, movies now. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't seen it in a long time. I have this quote here that I kind of want to read to close things out. I already saw you. It's, it's David Lynch. Are you a big David Lynch oh, fan? Oh, yeah, totally. Today's yeah. his birthday, so that's why I wanted to read it. Happy birthday, David Lynch. Um, but this is from Catching the Big Fish. Uh, and the, the subtext is Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity. Ooh. Wait, this is a great book if you've never read it. I'm going to look that up when I get back, probably. Um, <laughs> but it says, keep at it. It's such a tricky business. You want to do your art, but you've got to live. So you've got to have a job, and then sometimes you're too tar- tired to do your art. But if you love what you're doing, you're going to keep doing it anyway. I've been very lucky. Along the way, there's people who help us. I've had plenty of those people in my life who've helped me get to the next step. And you get, sorry, I can't read. And you get that help because you've done something. So you have to keep doing it. So much of what happened to me is good fortune. But I would say, try to get a job that gives you some time. Get your sleep and a little bit of food and work as much as you can. There's so much enjoyment in doing what you love. Maybe this will open doors and you'll find a way to do what you love. I hope you do. Nice. Where can people find you at, Casey Joe? I am on, I'm mostly on Instagram. I don't go on Facebook anymore, even though I'm technically on there, but it's a wasteland. Instagram at Miss Casey Joe or at Local Oblivion for the t-shirts. I'm also running a sale if you use the code POPTIMUS when you check out. I'm honored. Yes, and you get 20% off, so you get oh, wow. your own special code. I forgot I set that up today. Um, and Or you can go to localoblivion.com. It'll link you there, too. And then my band is at Friday Night Dads, so you get the whole shebang. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Of it's course. A pleasure. See you next week.